0: Well, welcome back to the Fuck Therapy Podcast. I am super, super pumped, super excited to be talking to Sophia Locke again. How are you?
1: I am fantastic. Thank you so much for having me back. I had such a great time last time, so I was excited to uh, come back.
0: That is incredible. We got a really awesome response for our first podcast.
1: Yay, I'm so glad to hear that. I was I was hoping so.
0: And how did you feel like when you heard it the first time? How did you feel? What did you think?
1: I felt really good about it. I've just uh, been really embracing being very honest and authentic. And I thought it was a great conversation to really open up a lot of things I hadn't really talked about publicly before. So I felt great.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And it's so awesome to be able to have a platform where you feel comfortable to do that. So I'm so grateful for your courage, for your authenticity and your honesty. And we're going to dig deeper into your story. For those that haven't heard the first episode, please go and check it out. But what we've Well, Sophia, give (laughs) us a a introduction, a brief introduction for those that haven't met you before.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Well, my name is Sophia Locke. That is my stage name um, because uh, I was in the adult industry uh, starting when I was 25 years old, which was 11 years ago. Now, maybe 12. Oh my gosh, I'm dating myself. Um, So I was in the adult (laughs) industry. For, uh, for seven years. And then I left for about four to five. And I just came back about seven months ago. Um, I also do real estate. And I started on TikTok last November. And that's how Jamie uh, found me. And I found his stuff uh, really interesting. So I love talking about all of it. I love talking about consent, the adult industry behind the scenes of it. And what about me uh, drew me to this lifestyle?
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. And in the first episode, I talked about what initially grabbed my attention. Um, you do singing.
1: Oh, yes. You that are <laughs> a
0: brilliant, beautiful singer. Um, and my wife and I were sitting on the couch and she heard your voice singing on one of the TikToks. She asked who that is. What a beautiful voice. Um. <laughs> so, I love Go on.
1: Oh, I was just saying, I love that, and what's funny is I've noticed my my uh, TikTok analytics have gone from six percent women to twenty percent women. Right. And there's something really lovely about about having women watch my things too, and not just the men who are who are looking for for low cut tops. Not that I don't appreciate all of them, but it's kind of fun. No,
0: absolutely, uh, and listen, and that's what it's about, you know. And TikTok's a beautiful place where you can sort of create multi-dimensions so yes Mm. awesome you know to be in your position to attract male followers often the the power comes in when you go there's so much more to you than the adult entertaining industry and that's what attracted me to you originally where i'm going wow what a beautiful voice i then catch one of your lives where you're talking and i'm like you are so articulate you're so precise you're so educated you're going so many people have a stereo, a stereotype of the type of person that gets into the adult entertainment industry. Um, And as we spoke about last time, it's like, no, you don't come from a, a broken home of trauma and, and sexual assault and abuse and all those sorts of things. This is a chosen field.
1: It is. And I, and I do feel privileged to be able to choose what I do in life. Um, and for me, it's been overall a pretty positive experience. I can't speak to anyone else's experience. So what I do is just basically tell things from my lived experience and also, uh, show people hopefully that, that people who perform in this industry are multifaceted. They can have other interests, they can have other talents. Um, and there's a lot that you just don't know that happens behind the scenes that I think is, is relatively positive given the stereotype
0: yeah absolutely um and we dig into it and in saying you know another stereotype for so many people um beyond whether you where you come in from and why um is then the type of person you need to be morally in order to get into this
1: I can right say- <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect segue um <laughs> that's it's true. So you're right. There is, there is that idea that only only traumatized uh, women with daddy issues come into the industry. Right. And I, I have neither of those things. I don't have the trauma from my childhood. I, my dad and I have a fantastic relationship and he's very supportive. I think we talked about it last time. Um, and then you're right. Uh, there is another stereotype that the women in the industry are, what morally bankrupt or that they that they take advantage of the people who are their fans. And while I've seen some of that, um, my personal kind of ethics uh, revolve around it being more transactional. um, And that makes me feel a little more fair about it. Um, I don't give anyone the impression that it's anything more than it is. You know, I'm sure I could make money if I did. I know that women do it, you know, by hiding their relationships, um, by giving uh, men the impression that like that uh, they have like a shot at a relationship with them or a, a sexual encounter with them um, without it being true. You know, I, I do know that there's some manipulation that way. And that's just not the side of the industry that I like to be in. It's not where I'm comfortable. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot there um, and definitely a stereotype in that. And, and I don't doubt there's there's plenty of it, um, but it's it's not where I sit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because you started, um, if if I've got this right, you started your career with um, or very early in your career yeah, in video cam work.
1: Yes, yeah, with webcam work, and so with webcam. that, right. And and it's so funny because no one knew what that was back in the day. You know, it yeah. wasn't like COVID times where everyone has a, has a webcam. I felt very sneaky buying webcams that everyone would know what I was up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and it started with uh, private chats, right? It was one-on-one that, uh, you know, you, you'd you get all of the very interesting fetishes of, you know, the Q-tips and the, the cheese and all of the <laughs> <laughs> Um, All of the interesting requests. But then uh, the website that I was on uh, for most of my time in the webcam industry, it was a group setting, right? It was a community. And so one person described it as like going into a bar and maybe the bartender's hot and she's making you drinks and you're all kind of tipping her and and paying attention to her, but you're also talking to each other. And so you're creating this community. um, And that's where... um, I felt really comfortable. I felt like I could be pretty much myself. I mean, besides, obviously, I wanted to protect my privacy and my safety um, when it came to those things. But otherwise, I could be really authentic and I didn't have to have a persona. And I think I I want their respect, right? So I want to be respected. I want to be humanized. I don't want to be treated like an object. I mean, sometimes I want to be treated like an object, but not in this necessarily in, this, in, in general. And we'll get into that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think to bring it back to that original point, I, I think it's important to respect them as well. Yes. If that, so I, I don't see it as this, um, like just words on a screen that are giving me money. It's like, these are people who are paying for your attention. They're paying for videos. They're paying for orgasms. And I like to give exactly what I've been, been given, (laughs) you know, um, and feel like it's fair that I, that, um, that the expectations are there, that everyone knows it's a fantasy. You know, if if yeah. if there, if there are expectations, so
0: yeah. So so I mean, integrity is is something that I hold um, as one of the highest character traits, and effectively, um, what you're saying there is, it goes both ways. So the reality mm-hmm. is, you know, people people have this stereotype, this assumption that for you to get into the industry you must be damaged. Um mm-hmm. and you and, and clearly what we're saying here is yeah, that's not the case. But the other stereo the stereotype is the type of people that come in must all be predators or perverts or
1: well, what I
0: respecting them mm-hmm. as the individual they are and not trying to take advantage or abuse or treat with disrespect.
1: Right, or manipulate just for money and then discard. And that's the thing I felt really icky about it. And it's funny you mentioned the stereotype of the the type of person who is a fan of webcams or fan of uh, porn actors. Um, That's what I ran into a bunch when I would do any kind of interview that I've done or podcast or radio program way back when, especially if it was a male um, host. Yes. The, almost every time I was I was when I was asked about it, the way that they spoke about the people who watch these kind of things was in a derogatory um, mocking way where like everyone who watches you must be, you know, uh, heavy set eating Cheetos in his mom's basement. He must yeah. be so disgusting to give you money. And I think. First of all, just overall as a stereotype, it's wrong. I'm sure there's all kinds of people who watch, just like there are all kinds of people who perform, you know, there's the mom down your street who probably has an OnlyFans too that you would never expect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Um and so in, in that sense, like I always felt um like I needed to kind of stick up for my guys for and girls and my community of people who like everyone wants personalized special attention everyone wants to feel wanted everyone wants to have sexual gratification um and so i think there's a demand for that and i'm happy to supply it and if people are willing to pay for that i'm i'm never going to think less of them for it and i think that respect is important that goes both ways
0: yeah absolutely so from from the webcam days <laughs> cuz webcam we're going other than potentially you touching you there's no third party touching
1: right I would do shows with other girls sometimes and so they could watch the site that I was on it was only women allowed and so I think that did kind of feed into the like girlfriend experience like there's no guys around it's just me and you baby and like hundreds of other men watching you (laughs) (laughs) So that was really fun. Um, and then what I had wanted to do for a long time uh was work for like kink.com because they had kind of the pinnacle of professional BDSM video work. Um so I had I had gained a lot of weight and then I lost 60 pounds, and then I felt like I felt really good about myself. And so Um, through a friend of mine who knew one of the directors, I was able to start working for them at the same time as doing webcam work.
0: Sure. So what was your fascination or interest or earliest thoughts of kink?
1: Ooh, Of kink in general or of that website?
0: No, 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 of kink in general. Assuming that you've got to have some level of interest or excitement or whatever it is for kink before you then go and go, oh, I'd like to actually, or no, I don't know if I'm on the...
1: Oh, I absolutely. So this is fun. Um, as far back as I can remember, there have been hints of it. And I don't know where it comes from because like I said, I don't have uh, any trauma around it or I can't pinpoint um, an action where then I was like, now I'm into this. But I remember being in elementary school And I, I, I played this game with a couple of my girlfriends and we called it cheetahs like the cats. We were all different and we all had different superpowers as one does. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) one of the girls who was kind of a tomboy pretended to tie me to a tree because she was the evil cheetah. And I remember the feeling that I had and I, and I didn't sexualize it because I was a kid, but I wanted that to happen again so badly. And every time. You know, as kind of like, you know, unaware kids are every time we would play, I I would say, oh, don't don't do that to me. (laughs) Don't. do And every every movie, every Disney movie where the princess got captured, you know, or put in shackles or chains by the bad guy, I wanted to be that girl so badly and I didn't want to save me. I just wanted the bad guy to have me. And I I have no idea where it comes from, but it, it really is that early on.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, if we dig into that just a little bit, because I think that's, I think that is so important for people to be able to have an emotion, have an Mm -hmm. experience, recognize that, oh, I'm not sure what that is, but also to feel okay with exploring that thought or that feeling.
1: Sure. Yeah. I never felt I, I, any shame around it. It was just a desire. I never really expressed it until I was older. I think it was, it took until my early twenties to really put a name to things and to, to realize community. And it started with, you know, my partner at the time of, you know, using, uh, terrible quality handcuffs, you know, just things like that. And, and threesomes where there was kind of a dynamic with that, but, um, my kind of hypersexuality uh, uh, started really coming through at like 17 or so. Yeah. Um, and the kink stuff followed relatively soon after, but it, it was a slow, a slow burn. And then it was, Oh my gosh, this exists. I have to try everything. And that's the most dangerous part because then you're right. the most susceptible. To predators. <laughs> sure. Got, talk like, us
0: to, we'll talk us through that.
1: Sure. Um, so in the community, it's called sub frenzy. <laughs> So, so, like, <laughs> <laughs> so this is when you, and I'm almost like sad. I'll never have that again. Now I'm on the other side where I like to introduce like women to things where I can see them light up and go, I've never tried this. This is so exciting. Or maybe it's not my thing, but just, I don't know. It's, it's fun for me. Um, but at the time I remember just wanting to try everything and yeah. I didn't care. I did it. I was like, just tie me up. And hit me with stuff. And so that's a period of time where I I caution people just getting into it to try and and be as safe as possible, to have um, you know, references before you play with people, to make sure you really feel out the community and have a community of women around you too yeah. to yep. protect you. Because there are predators drawn to this, right? Because it's suddenly Absolutely. these these girls who want you to do all of this stuff to them you know which within the BDSM community there's consent but these actions look the same when it comes to abuse yeah you know so it's 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 hard to make sure that that line is there and that you're that you will be respected um, and that your safe words and your consent will be respected
0: yeah and for those that don't know what you're talking about um, because I know many of the women that listen to this have experienced abuse but they haven't necessarily experienced or would even understand some of the things that you're talking about, understanding, you know, the vetting process to find the appropriate people to what it is. Many people don't actually know what BDSM is. They understand that it's, oh, it's hitting for argument's sake. Can you go, no, it's not, right? (laughs) Um, So can you just explain to us, some of those more elementary pieces so people can go, oh, that is the difference between the two because they're night and day, aren't they?
1: Well, it's funny because if you look at them on paper, it's the same actions. Let's say like getting, getting hit in the face, right, with a hand. That can be something that is a horrific, uh, a boundary-crossing, awful thing, or it can be something that is – exciting and fun and what you asked for, (laughs) you know? Um, so it's, uh, like bondage, domination, sadomasochism are usually kind of the the words used for that BDSM. Um, and I remember in my early twenties, seeing videos and seeing someone dressed up in all rubber and being hit with a flogger, which is the thing with all the tails on it and looking at it and thinking, this is so goofy. Yeah. This is, ridiculous, like who would be into this? Um, they look kind of stupid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the moment I was in a safe environment, because the difference is consent. Yes. They the actually look the same. The difference is consent, right? Um and the second I tried it and had the experience of, oh, this is what it feels like um, with someone that I felt safe with and felt comfortable with. So I could focus on the sensation and not um, anything else around it. You know, it's, it literally was what it felt like. Yep. I, oh, I get it. That feels great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's about, it's about these experiences where you're having your body feel different ways, like with these suits where you're completely covered up or you're, um, wrapped up in something. It's about sensory deprivation, right? Yep. We're only focusing on kind of what you can feel, but you can't hear anything or see anything. Yeah. Um, that can be a really cool sensation or um, the feel of like rubber on your skin. Some people sexualize that and think it's really neat. Um, yeah. So there are all these different ways to experience sensation um, and then mentally to put yourself in a place where you're you're playing pretend, right? It's a fantasy. This yeah. person's in control of me is dominant over me or I'm submissive to them. You know, in my daily life, I don't feel this way, but I sure can pretend And know that I'm safe in the back of my mind. And that way I can enjoy it just as a fantasy. And that's what it is. It's a fantasy. And when it is not a fantasy, when you have real fear, that is um, assault. That's
0: illegal. That's the difference. 100%. So I want to take a deeper dive into consent.
1: That's my favorite topic. Let's go.
0: Right. Because I think this is so misunderstood. And so many women that are being abused... Give verbal consent, but it's coerced and it's manipulated or it's blackmailed. That is not consent. And I'd love no, your I, thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, that um, it's it has to be one hundred percent enthusiastic consent. And the thing with BDSM and what I love about it is the communication around it. It's how a does that look? So for professionally, um, it uh, in in adult video scenes, at least for kink.com, it's an entire checklist that you fill out beforehand and it uh, can change based on the day. It is not, it's a, basically like a living document, right? So you fill it out and you can say um, the, the things you're into, what you're not into the words, you don't want to be called um, whether you can have marks or not, which implements you prefer to use. And so it is this basically a conversation with the dom with the director um they go over it with your scene partner in front of you and you can clarify um and this is the kind of thing that i've had in my relationships and that i've had in my private scenes with people that i've played with and i think the clarity of it is the difference yeah you talk about this coerced kind of manipulated consent where where you're saying well yes i'll do it but only if you'll stay with me or that kind of thing and this is completely different this is Cut and dry, most of sex work is. And I love it. It's cut and dry. It's like, what are we exactly doing here? What are we consenting to? What word gets us out of it? And then if anything is crossed, we're done. Any yeah. boundaries crossed.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's so it's uh, it, it's funny. BDSM is at the absolute forefront of consent. It's it's above marriage.
1: Oh. <laughs> Tell me tell me your thoughts on that I'm curious.
0: <laughs> well, marriage is a funny thing. Many people think that they have ownership over a person once they're married. Mm. There is obligation on behalf of certain people depending on how they've been raised. Like marriage is is and can be one of the most beautiful things there is. But it's also one of the most abused things that sits out in public. You know, it's like I'm married. Well, how much abuse sits in marriage versus the actual true BDSM community?
1: Mm, The whole
0: community will kick out an abuser in that that space. Where in marriage, it's every second home. You're married. I work with women who don't believe they have the right to say I'm married. So I, I am. I, whenever you want me, whatever you want. That's how it goes. I, I have, I've had women um, so badly abused where the man wants to have sex, tells her how disgusting and horrible she is, and puts an iPad watching porn over her face while he does it. Oh, that's horrific. I have had women had their private parts. Emotionally and verbally abused, so in other words, degraded, saying it's horrible, it's disgusting, it's this, it's that, to the point where they're going to seek medical advice, medical help to find out nothing's wrong but still believe it is, but for for them, the partner, to come back in and still want to be doing it but degrading them at the same time, to take them into, into abuse where they can hit them and they can do all these things that they call kink but mm-hmm. the person it's not kink because the other partner is absolutely dying inside
1: right well what's interesting That's about that marriage yeah yeah and and th- what's interesting about that it makes me think about the fact that in that case it's about control right it's yeah. about about controlling this person controlling their body controlling their mind for whatever reason and then within BDSM, it's the illusion of control. Yes, it's a fantasy of control. Yes. There's no ownership there, even even with within these kind of like owned dynamics. It's it, it's about the submissive or the person who's having things done to them. They absolutely can control when it stops, whether they're in or out of this interaction, and they're doing it enthusiastically.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting thing. You can look at the irony of you know a dom sub relationship because it is ironic because the sub gives the dom permission <laughs> the, well, the, the sub actually sets the rules
1: <laughs> uh, yeah well and 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 i think there are a lot of doms who gain a, most of their pleasure from giving their submissive pleasure in this way that looks um, aggressive or rough, you know, but this is what this person truly wants. And it's about giving each party what they truly want.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I also love what you said um, that, you know, before each scene, it's a daily checklist. Mm -hmm. So just because today, you know, you want A, B, and C doesn't mean you do tomorrow. Right. You know, we're in marriage. That's not discussed. It's Mm. assumed. Yeah. Right? Um, If you have a dominant person in the bedroom in a marriage, in a relationship, it doesn't have to be a marriage, uh, but in a relationship, and the dominant person is selfish, Mm. let alone abusive, then it's just a one-way street of horror.
1: Right. And that's not true BDSM. That's not this uh, consensual, wonderful thing that both people are enjoying. It's just abuse at that point. Yeah. It's controlled abuse.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny if you turned if you turn if you if you turn perception around. You turn perception around and it's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's marriage. Well, that seems dirty. <laughs> it's kind of like what you give consent once in potentially your life. Right. <laughs> that, that sounds a bit risque.
1: <laughs> right.
0: You go, well, in our industry, that's not how it works.
1: No, I, it's, it's such a, like, especially dating outside of the industry when I was single the idea of talking about all of this and talking about testing and talking about what you're interested in doing and what your partner's interested in doing, that's such a normal thing for me, but it was, it, it caught people off guard. Yeah. You know, it caught men off guard. Um, but I, I'm too old to have a bad time with sex. I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I want, I want, my i protect my energy i protect my time i want to have a good time and if i can talk about it comfortably i would love for other people to feel comfortable talking about it within their relationships or outside of relationships or you know in the adult industry but this is something that is in the adult industry is commonplace and expected to talk you about need these to run a
0: program of- most married people do not know how to have a sexual discussion. Yeah. They do not know most, you know, I talk about, talk to so many relationships that, that are in turmoil. Um, and let's just talk about healthy relationships and not always just bad relationships. In healthy relationships, as a rule, you know, you've got one more, um, uh, someone that that prioritises sex over the other person, someone that perhaps is a bit more, more risqué than the other person, um, and life, life particularly marriage and kids and all those sorts of things, you know, steps in. And the number one fight is about sex. And if you raise sex, it becomes dirty. So the person that, that wants it the least kind of feels very pressured. You know, the person that wants it the most feels rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, the person that wants it the least tends to then, effectively spin it around on the person that wants it the most and go does everything have to be about sex Mm -hmm. and the other person is kind of going well can something be about sex (laughs) right but they don't know how to communicate without become emotionally charged one way or the other Mm -hmm. like we're miles behind
1: but I had this exact experience in my relationship and it was the one that I was in when I first started in the industry. You know, I was in that relationship, started in the industry, we had a business together and that was, you know, that was the, the issue was that the sex drive difference was too big with mine being a lot higher. And it took, it took years for it not to be, you know, blamed on me for just wanting it too much. And I, it just wanted it anytime. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's really difficult when there's a really mismatched sex drive. And I think that's why it's one of those kind of core things along with, do we want kids? How do you feel about marriage? How do you feel about politics? How do you feel about religion? I think it's one of those core things that at the beginning of a relationship and to watch like hormone levels or testosterone levels, like that's been issue, you know, issues too in relationships of mine, um, where how do we get on the same page of this so you're right one partner isn't feeling rejected and the other one isn't feeling kind of put upon
0: yeah yeah and i I think it's to be able to navigate that is really important but let's just take a slight deviation and and there's going to be a few people listening going serious this is just heating up why are you taking this in any other direction (laughs) (laughs) and it's like you know be patient (laughs) (laughs) um so we want to know more about you. Last time we spoke about, and this is this is why I wanted to interview you, you know, because you, you have so much dimension. You have so many layers. One layer of you is, you know, that you're in the adult entertainment industry. You know, you are extroverted. You are a sexual being. And you embrace that, but you do it with integrity. And I think that's incredible. You know, another aspect is that you're an incredible musician and and you dedicate time and effort to that. Another aspect is that you're a professional realtor, a real estate agent, and you're particularly successful at that. Uh, And you're looking at these areas of your life and it's like, can this woman do no wrong, you know, You're beautiful. You're successful in multiple areas. Um, You don't come from trauma. This is this this. Surely there's there's something there. And as we've spoke about it, yeah, you you've had some periods of time where decision making was an issue, finding your feet was an issue, but you also grappled with alcohol.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If it makes you feel any better, I am terrible at drawing. So if that.
0: That's going to make no one feel
1: better. <laughs> <laughs> that part awful. Um, so I, I absolutely um, uh, alcohol. I think was an issue, or I know was an issue for me a lot longer than I realized it was. You know, um, so I, you know, I, I, I felt like I drank as much as the next person throughout my twenties. Um, but I had, you know, issues with blacking out where I wouldn't remember parts of the night or the whole night and then find out with great embarrassment and shame that I had, you know, been mean to my partner in my early twenties, which I had never felt anything bad toward him. But of course that something would come out, you know, when I was drinking. Um, and so what I did over the course of about 10 years was try and negotiate. Right. And I think a lot of people who have issues with alcohol, whether they're alcoholics or not, um, do this where they say, well, I I don't want to cut this thing completely out because 90 percent of the time it's pretty fun and everything goes. okay, but for that 10 percent of the time, how do I knock that down so I don't have these negative consequences? And so what I tried to do was, well, maybe if I just don't uh, drink this certain kind of alcohol, right, maybe if I just stick with vodka. I'll try that. And then I don't get as angry. And that's true. That worked for a little while. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it turned into, well, um, maybe if I just drink at home or maybe if I budget it when I go out and it seemed that no matter which direction I turned over the years, I would still always have these, um, instances of blacking out and, and doing actions that I wouldn't have done sober. Um, I was lucky to have never done anything really devastating. You know, I never hit anyone while driving. Um, I I never was like assaulted or anything like that. But all of these things absolutely could have happened and probably yeah. should have with yes. how, you know, how much I drank. Um, what did surprise me, though, was I never thought of myself as someone who couldn't stop Once when, when I started. That never occurred to me because... In my brain, and I think a lot of people this will resonate with because the stereotype of an alcoholic is once I have a drink, I just can't stop. But when I was drinking, I never felt like um, I wanted to stop, and I couldn't. I always the the thing in my mind was it wasn't even a choice either way. It was okay. well, if I'm having fun, I might as well have more fun, and that I, I never stopped with that. If that makes sense? Yep. Yeah. yeah so. Mm. So for me, it just felt like, well, yeah, I'm having fun. I happen to be closing out the bar. There happens to be no wine bottle left <laughs> at the end of the <laughs> night. But it was because I just, there was no, there was no part of me that asked myself once I was drunk, maybe you should stop. Yeah. There was nothing there that kicked in. Yep. Um. And so that was my version of not being able to stop. Right. Uh, um. Yeah. And apparently it's not very normal to black out a bunch. And I did not know that. <laughs>
0: for anyone listening you now know
1: (laughs) yeah apparently not everybody does that relatively regularly and i should have known because my dad has been 30 something years sober right around the same age as i was when i quit drinking which was about 30 he also had a similar issue where it wasn't a physiological urge it wasn't a physical urge to drink it was just once you started you kind of kept going and sometimes it didn't go so great. Um, he had that to the point where it, it caused huge conflict with his marriage with my mom yep. and that he quit. Um, and for me, um, I, the catalyst for my quitting was that I had gone out with a, a guy that I really liked And we weren't exclusive, but we were enjoying each other and went out with some of my friends, some of his friends. And I was excited about a potential relationship. And during that evening of drinking, I hit on his friend in front of him and don't remember any of it. Yeah. So um, I realized that next morning it was legitimately like a light switch going off. Yep. That This 10 years of negotiating drinking, all of this other stuff, there is a really simple solution for this to be able to control 100% of my decisions i can't drink because there's a potential every time maybe maybe not every time it happens but there is the potential every time of me doing something that i did not personally decide to do in my right mind yep. and it's going to ruin a relationship it's going to have me hit someone with a car i'm going to ruin a friendship it's going to get very bad at some point and you know what would fix it never touching it again yeah. and so i n- it again.
0: Yeah. And that was
1: six years ago on April, this upcoming April 17th. It'll
0: be congratulations. Six years ago. Woo. <laughs> Winning <laughs> again. <laughs> Success again in every aspect of your life. How awesome is that?
1: except for drawing. We know this.
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm not convinced. <laughs> I need to see said drawing.
1: <laughs> my stick figures, my stick figures are art, pure art.
0: <laughs> I can tell you something funny, I can't draw either. Hmm. Yet I can carve in leather. What? Really? Yeah, I build western saddles as a hobby. I used to oh. do it more full time. Um, but I just do it as a hobby now um and I, I do all the intricate carving no problem at all but i can't freehand draw
1: wow well that's a that's a true talent and what's really nice to bring it back to what we were talking about before um is that that's a really good way to get into the kink scene with all the leather
0: i can make awesome stuff <laughs> <laughs> perfect and i have made one or two pieces
1: There we go. I'm excited. Okay, okay. Yet another business venture for you, which I'm sure you have plenty.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that story. Now, getting back into your work, what what is the scene these days? Because you've moved all the way through. You, You spent six years out of the industry, you're back into the industry, and you're now going into the next sort of phase of your profession, aren't you?
1: Sure. It was it was about four or five years out. And then when I got back in, that was uh, before OnlyFans was a thing, right? right? So the idea that there was a website where it was direct to consumer, so there wasn't a studio in between that was deciding whether you were marketable or not. yeah. And it wasn't a webcam. So before you had to have your own website, you had to host your own website, you had to sell videos that way, or you know sell content that way or you could work with studios and and they you had to wait for them to hire you or hope that they would hire you and hope that um, they were legitimate Um, so it was kind of these bigger uh, roadblocks and then so when OnlyFans came along they don't market for you so that's kind of the catch is that you have to be able to find some way to get more people whether it's Twitter or TikTok or Instagram or whatever Um, you do have to market yourself but the site makes it pretty easy just to do this membership thing. Right. Yes. Um, so I, and I had heard about it out in the vanilla non-adult world and was very excited that it was becoming a part of public consciousness, right? This is something that, that normal people are talking about and maybe even accepting a little bit. Yeah. So I was excited to get back in and try that and see what that kind of method would do. Cause it's very different from camming and it's very different from professional shooting. Um, ha- ha-
0: so ha- I have Explain to me how it's different from camming.
1: Well, so you can do cam shows on there if you'd like. So you can do like a live show, which I do every week. Um, But with, so with camming. um, So it
0: doesn't have to be live. It can be pre-recorded videos.
1: It can be pre-recorded videos, but the main thing that it is, is daily videos and pictures or video clips and pictures um, at least for me, it's daily. Um, that you're posting, so it's almost like think of it like uh, like a dirty private Instagram feed. So, is
0: it wrong for me to ask? Like, I I had no idea. So, what I'm learning this as you're talking. <laughs> Fun uh, daily. So, what what do you put on? Is it wrong of me to ask what you put on daily?
1: No, that's totally fine. Um, It's it's funny because you, this is one of those things that you do have to feel pretty passionate about. You have to be like a real true exhibitionist or have an incredible work ethic to yeah. be able to, to post consistently because that's what people, people are paying a membership amount, right? Yep. And you can discount it for whatever, you can give trials or you can make it free and then upsell videos. Yep. Like you could make free. So there are lots of different strategies to make money on it. For me personally, it's, um. Uh, more explicit content than you'd see on Twitter. Um, uh, obviously way more explicit than what you'd see on TikTok. So like my live TikToks, I'm fully closed, all of that. But my my weekly cam shows, I'm, you know, doing everything under the sun <laughs> within oh, a structure yeah. that I create. Um, so the idea is that you're pulling people from these other sites that like you and want to see you and want this uh, more exclusive, more personalized content. And they're willing to pay you know, it's like six bucks for my first month and then like 15 after that per month. Uh, but it's like, you know, the price of Hulu and you're getting daily um, like nudes, more explicit things. And then like kind of little clips of um, of uh, just like sexual things. <laughs> I don't know, right. all the fun stuff. But the idea is, is that it's better and more personalized content than you can get anywhere else. And that's what makes it valuable to pay for it. Right.
0: And it's day. I did. I didn't realize that. I didn't. Realize- I-, I told you about my experience with old OnlyFans, didn't I? Ah, uh, remind me. I get a message <laughs> under one of my videos saying yeah. you need an OnlyFans account. Yeah. And this old boy here, for a split second, was like, "Do I still have it? Because I sort of I gave did. up on on having it years ago, right?" <laughs> and it's a type of thing, really. Yeah, and it came back. They wanted a picture of my feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and I straight Smashed me straight back to the ground. <laughs> and I kind of laughed. I thought the only place I'd heard about OnlyFans was on TikTok. So I thought it was a part of TikTok.
1: Oh, no, they don't <laughs> like it.
0: <laughs> so I was just kind of, I didn't even know how to find it. Then I looked at it. Um, and I think I might have got to a Google search or maybe even the OnlyFans, I don't know if there's a homepage or whatever, um, and I went, oh, this this is not TikTok and I don't think this is really what I'm doing. Um, but I've had so many people say, oh, you should have done it. You would have made a fortune. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but that's my experience with OnlyFans. fans. <laughs>
1: I love that. I like that in a parallel world, you're like a foot God in, in the only fans world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's kind of like, really? So uh, listen, and, and the person could have just been taking the piss. Who knows? Um, but when they asked the question, uh-uh, nah, this old fella was like, maybe someone thinks I'm okay. <laughs> I think that's yeah. funny. Um, So from there, OnlyFans, but you do more than that, yeah?
1: Yes. When I came back in, I was really excited to get back into um, shooting professionally because that was always really exciting and fun for me to show up on to meet somebody that like you knew was tested, you knew was pretty good at their job. And that like, maybe you hadn't even met before. And then there's all these lights and there's a camera and thousands of people are going to watch it. It's very exciting for me. Like, I think that's, that was really fun. So I was fortunate enough to have one of like the kink directors when I came back, um, want to shoot again, even after all these years. Um, so I, I did, gosh, I've done like about four shoots since coming back, a a VR one, which was really neat. That was a whole different kind of world. Um, And then uh, uh, um, uh, like I've kind of put feelers out for the different companies I worked for before, but then um, like recently (laughs) as of today, like signed with an agency so that hopefully I can go, you know, spend a week in LA and shoot for the week and leave with lots of money, some great memories and more exposure for my OnlyFans so that when it goes out there to all these tube sites and all of these other sites, subscription sites, people will say, Hmm, I like her in this. I wonder what she puts out daily of like her just general life.
0: So cool. That is so cool. Um, It fascinates me that whole world because I'm just so ignorant. (laughs) to it. I was going to dig into something else. Now, what was that? Oh, yes. We were going to talk about. I came onto one of your live and you were talking about your no list. So, for those that don't know, that's listened to you here, they probably don't know what's on your yes list.
1: So, that's how- a really long
0: list. <laughs> <My> yes- <laughs> but if you were to but- summarize, so just so mm-hmm. people can go, okay, and we were to look, because obviously things preceding that, but on the more extreme side, I, I don't even know how you would explain it, but, but, the yes list, just so we can dig into the no list and actually give it some balance.
1: Okay, yeah, let's let's really earn this explicit uh, rating on your podcast, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well well, 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 let's just be, just paint a picture of, so, so they know exi- Okay, what are we actually talking here? Otherwise, the no no list won't
1: make sense. No, 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 I agree with you. I'm I'm here <laughs> for it um so I think kind of my main my main things on my yes list, I, like I, the very like kind of basic stuff that I think most people, you know, where it's like like just sex itself is so great, you know, all of those kind of things and then it's and then it's like, well, what kind of people it's like okay boys and girls I like both. And then um when we go into more of the bondage and kink side of things, I think my main ones are like objectification, a little bit of humiliation, um, and then a lot of impact things as well so that's where you're being like hit with paddles or whips or canes i really like canes um and so uh yeah there's there's a ton on the on the yes side there's yeah. way less on the side um most words are fine i'm fine with being called um it's just the idea of either the kind of mental space of i am being taken over and controlled within my boundaries and consensually of course as we yeah, discussed yeah, yeah, yep And there's also a way that within these environments and when I'm uh, ramped up in a certain way, then I can sexualize pain. And that was something I didn't learn until like probably 23 or 24 where I was like, yeah, people are spanking, but like, it's just, it just kind of hurts. What's the big deal. But I've learned that if there's a certain way it's done and it's ramped up in a, in, in a way that works, then I can actually orgasm from it. And it's a genuine sexual feeling. It doesn't mean that of my toe at home i'm you know turned on that's very different (laughs) yeah Yeah. um but uh so a lot of my yeses have to do with pain and that ramp up of adrenaline um of fear play of the like in the front of my mind i'm scared in the back of my mind i know i'm safe it's like when you go on a coaster kind of where where you can play into that fear of, oh, I might fall or, oh, I'm going too fast, and your body thinks that it's in trouble, but the back of your mind knows you're safe, it's the same
0: feel. Yeah, absolutely. My understanding difference between sort of a cane sensation and a paddle, I think, sensation is one's more a thud impact and one's more a sting. Is that correct?
1: Sure, depending on the implement, they all can have like... Thuddy aspects or stingy aspects depending on like the width of it the material of it where it is on your body um and same thing with floggers there can be really stingy floggers and then there can be really heavy study ones that feel like you're kind of getting punched and that's a really good one too yeah. um it's just a different i wish i could explain the sensation you have to just try it to know what it feels like <laughs>
0: and, and, and are you encouraging that
1: I think you should.
0: There we go. Consensually understand that component of it, but absolutely. Am I playing into the rumors, the wrong rumors, the false allegations of me being vanilla?
1: So what I think is that you already know people have a foot thing for you. The bottom of the foot caning is a really good sensation. (laughs) I think... You need to experiment with your wife because she's doing it to you. So she doesn't even have to have it done to her. You should do the bottom of the foot caning. It's one of my favorite things. I have a recent video of it on, on King. And I think you should see if you like that and then maybe sell it online. You're welcome. Well,
0: here's something fun. How ironic is this or or how convenient is this? I actually have a foot story as recent as last night.
1: Oh my gosh. I need to hear this. We all okay. need to hear.
0: This. Okay, <laughs> let's go. So my I've had a shower, I'm in bed, um, settling into the evening. Shelley, my wife, is in the shower, right? And anyway, I sort of hear her saying, Jamie, I want to show you something, right, from the the ensuite. Mm -hmm. She opens the door. Now, I'm going to set the scene here. And she has her showers hot. So the first thing that sort of bellows out is like a little bit of steam, which sort of pushes out this scent of coconut. So she'd obviously moisturized, done something with coconut, and those sorts of things. She's <laughs> completely naked, and I'm kind of like time stopped because my wife would not just she's she's not extrovert she's she's not an exhibitionist. Whatever the opposite of that is, that's what she is. <laughs> so when this has happened, I'm kind of like, what is going on right now? Yes, I'm here. I'm ready. Anything, my love. I love this. And she says, Jamie, I want you to see the bruise on my foot. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, what? (laughs) She said, I don't have a look at this. And I'm like, I can't focus on your foot right now, babe. (laughs) 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 And she literally put her foot beside the bed to show me a bruise because I don't even know where I got it from. Walk back in the suite. Shut the door.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love this. Now it's her turn to give you a bruise on your foot.
0: There we go. There we go. That was last night, and I did have a giggle when that happened. So now we know, and and also, I don't even know how you do it. As far as your kinks are concerned, on the extreme scale, mm-hmm. where would the like the industry sit sit you or where would you sit yourself on that scale? Cause you're definitely not the ones or twos.
1: Right. So that is, that's interesting. When I first did, I, when I did my first scene for kink um, the, the, the girl that introduced me uh, to the director, who's her, she's a dominatrix and her name is snow mercy, which is fantastic. No yeah. Um. So she introduced me and said, I think you should shoot her because she's genuinely into this. And so when I, when i got to the set and i was very excited very nervous and we went you know 0 to 100 when it came to like playing in pain and he could tell that i was genuinely into it i remember overhearing in in the background him talking to somebody in between scenes and just talking about how much i could take and how i was you know like the real deal with all of this and so that made me feel really good i had no idea you know um where i was on that on that scale but then i've i've heard Throughout the years, that I'm still the one they talk about that that did the two by four that got hit with a two by four (laughs) and (laughs) two two waterboarding scenes, and I so I know I'm on I'm on a very extreme end. I know there are people who do crazier stuff than I do, but I think it's a very small world, Um, and so I, I I think I'm I'm pretty extreme.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's the point that I just wanted to get out there so people understand the no list a little bit better um so on that no list what are some of the things that are just they're no go zones
1: so starting out kind of uh smaller um i don't like being called a bitch within a scene yeah i think it's a lot of people do like it that's why i have to specify because it's a really common to be used, especially if you're into humiliation or you know those kind of things that that I or um, degradation things like that that I am into. Um, I don't personally like that word because it doesn't feel sexual to me. There are other other words like slut or whore, all those kind of things feel sexual to me. That in the right context are a turn on. Yes, not if somebody pulled it at me in the street, of course not, but within this. <laughs> um, and um, so I have that. I don't like impact play um, on my uh, like vulva. I don't like to be hit there. Yep. So that's another one that's that's kind of weird for the industry that I'm in, and considering how extreme I like, um, I've learned that I don't like cattle prods. Yeah, uh, I did. I, I tried that, and I did not enjoy it. So yep. that's on my. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a relatively small list. I mean, um, I'm trying to think of other things that I put in that TikTok video. I had I had a bunch <laughs> listed.
0: There, there was a bunch. Um, and and the thing that I loved about it was. Because I think there's two angles that I want to hit on this, and it does Mm. come back to consent, which is obviously a passion point of mine, um, and it's a passion point of Mm. yours, so it's awesome. Um, And that is the combination of being comfortable enough to have a no list, as simple Mm. as going, yes, um, love it in the right context at the right time to be called a slut, but I don't, in the same time want to be called a bitch. And I think that's hugely powerful because one of the things I do see is, is the management of ego in that space when you start getting a reputation for being someone, oh, wow, this woman, this, this girl can really take it. She can really push it. And ego can buy into that and push you beyond beyond where potentially it needs to go. So, it's the management of that ego, which, you know, as you said, when you sort of got into it, you're kind of like, everything. I just want whatever, versus, mm-hmm. and with whomever, and potentially shortcutting the due diligence required to ensure your safety, mm-hmm. which is key. But then to also be in that space where you can go, yeah, no, don't call me bitch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I like- love that
1: right and it just takes it takes experience and it takes knowing yourself and that's why even if someone isn't as extreme as i am in all of these things i think there's so much power in knowing what gives you pleasure genuinely and having a safe environment a non-judgmental environment to be able to explore that in whether it's with self with masturbation whether it's with a partner who's open to hearing things and you and you won't feel judged by um i think there is there is so much there. Um, and it does, it feels powerful to me to say, this is what I like to do. This is what I will not do. And I will not be pushed to do it.
0: That's the bit I just wanted to cover on. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Same way, <wavelength>. Blink. <laughs> you will not be pushed into it. You see, you know, one of the programs I run is a boundary management program. You know, And we're talking about the simple things in life, saying no to the simple things in life, which mm-hmm. is something people grapple with. Yet, here we are in a situation where we've got a, com- a couple of things in play. You know, one, potentially someone paying for a service. Two, you know, we're in this environment where there's potential expectation, potential mm-hmm. desire that doesn't align with yours, and the actual ability of your own self worth, your own self awareness, and to seek clarity to say, yeah, no, that, no, that, that's a no-go zone. Um, you know, as you say, don't hit me on the bulb. You go, well, no, that's that's part of... No, it's not. For me, that's a no. And it's okay for that to be a no. You know, to be called a bitch and say, no, that's power. That's self-worth. That's, that's having integrity for you. And it's something that we need to apply. In this instance, you're looking at it going, is this more difficult to, you know... Will you go on a second date with me? And you are going. I don't want to go on the date with you. I didn't feel safe in the first date. I don't want to go, but I'm too scared to say no. I'm too uncomfortable to say no. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I, um, I found that feeling powerful uh, through this kind of work has translated really well to my personal life. I I have a, a couple of my friends that aren't in the industry, and they call me the boundary queen because. Love it because I encourage, especially other women to stick to their boundaries. It's, I, I'm very protective, as I said, of my time and my energy. If I leave an encounter and I feel like I have less energy from it, or I'm not, I'm not energized from it. I won't, I won't see that person again, if I can get out of it. You know what I mean? Like I, the one thing that has really helped me in the last probably three or four years has been getting comfortable with saying no, and knowing my own self-worth and that because I'm a people pleaser I was I was raised to be a people pleaser it's hard for me but I think you know being in a in a position of power at least I feel like in the adult industry and running my own room and running my own prices and doing what I want to do and not doing anything else besides what I want to do yeah. it translates really nicely into real estate into my personal life into my friendships I will not accept anything less than encouraging and uh um Happy, wonderful, supportive relationships in my life.
0: And that should be with everyone. I agree. That should be with everyone. You see, this is, you know, my boundary management program self worth, intuition, and integrity. So you got to have self worth for you. If you don't have self worth, you, you won't represent yourself. Intuition, it's something that you've got to tune in with. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the explanation, but if your intuition is saying no, run with it, you know, and then it's the integrity, it's representing you. The way you would a loved one. Right. And it's that blend. And that's exactly what you do. And this is one of the beautiful parts about life. You know, <clears throat> you said it translates into my personal life. So what that says to me is it actually doesn't translate into your personal life at all. It just means you're living a life of authenticity.
1: Absolutely. In, and
0: that's in every area. just you. You are many things. You know, you, you're you're you know, first and foremost, um, you're a woman. You're your own unique person with incredible character traits. You know, you do series of things, and it's when you it's I, I, I tell people, character resides at the center core of your consciousness. And it is the driver of everything. So if integrity is your identity, part of your identity, then as a woman, you'll be integral. The way in which you operate your businesses, you'll do it with integrity, you know, and you'll expect integrity. You know, when you do it in your hobbies and your other passions like singing uh, and, and those sorts of things, integrity will come across there. You know, the way in which you manage it, it will come across there. When you're truthful, it hits every aspect of your life. So authenticity, when you live a life of authenticity, it's literally in every aspect of your life. Because at the end of the day, we do boil down to the character that resides within us. And you clearly have incredible character and you've grown in self-awareness, which is beautiful.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I do feel very solid, and I think so much of that is keeping those promises to myself, you know, and, and making sure that I, that I know what's best for me and I, I put that as the priority, and then yeah. that way you can live a life with integrity.
0: Well, you, you keep nailing it. You keep your promises to yourself. That's congruence. Mm-hmm. You're congruent to your word. Well, what does that do? That builds self trust. It is the absolute foundation of self worth because once you trust yourself, just like if you trust someone else, well, you start respecting that person. Hmm. When you respect them, you see value. When you when you trust, respect, and value them, you find worth.
1: Yep, but it has to start with you first.
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent. And I think that's a beautiful lesson. I think it's a beautiful way to uh, end. Let's just say this episode <laughs> <laughs> and here's something funny the other day i actually registered fucktherapy.com.au domain
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so watch this space we've got some creative ideas what we're going to use it for but um thank you again so much for your time it really is a privilege
1: for me too thank you for having me back it's always really nice to have these conversations and thanks for letting me express myself
0: you know yeah you're it's a so great welcome story. You're so welcome. So, everyone, please take for this podcast the key points out of it without doubt, authenticity, integrity, honest, trustworthiness, truthfulness. You know, and this is trusting you, being truthful for you, having integrity for you. It's having self worth and believing it, knowing how to set, manage, and maintain boundaries. And consent is real and it applies to every aspect of the life. And it's for you to give and for you to give only. It can never be coerced, never can be manipulated, and never be blackmailed. You're awesome. Stay strong.